Welcome to Holy Trinity Episcopal Church, located in Nevada City, California. The message this morning is brought to us by our priest, Brad Helmuth, and we are in the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. How do you really know someone? How do you really know someone? Is it kind of time, longevity, I had a drink with one of my good friends uh, that I've known since third grade. Uh, He actually went here when he was a wee laddie with his family. Known him for a long time, I see him regularly. Um, There was was the older brother of my best friend from high school, Mike Hammond, if any of you know that name. The Hammonds were here for a long time. Uh, He was here uh, for Sunday morning service at 8.30. I've known him for a long time. Uh, is, it, is it time? Or is it something more than that? Is combination, but is it something more than that? Is it, is it over time seeing the way in which someone behaves, what they do, who they are? To know them. Right? When we say the word no, you know, hey, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, I know them. Well, that can mean a lot of different things. What I'm talking about is actually knowing someone, being able to understand how they operate, who they are, how they're going to operate, you know, the predictability of that, those types of things. This week, uh, there were, you know, when we, we, we've committed ourselves to serving the homeless and the hungry here. And part of that opens us up to frequent visitors on our campus. Some of whom are good guests. Some not so much. Right? Years ago, we had uh, a man that was homeless named Richard. He slept out on on the porch out here under the nursery awning. And when I would show up in the morning, I would be just walking as quietly as I could to come into the building and unlock the door and get in. And I would just be so quiet but, I, but 30 seconds later, he was gone. He heard me. It was a trigger for him that service was happening, and, and he wanted to respect his face, and so he would roll his things up, and out he would go. And then Dr. Sarah would chase him down the hill with coffee and money. Okay? It was the funniest thing ever, mostly because Sarah never slows down anyhow, but to see her, like, choppy, choppy, choppy down the street chasing Richard with the money, Trying to, you know, get, get him that. So Richard was here. Richard, I always knew that he was going to respect the space. Meaning he, he knew he could stay here as long as um, he, he knew the other things that happened here. This week, we had three different visitors on our campus. One is a, one is a young man, I'm assuming in his mid-20s. Uh, that is part of the camping delegation in Nevada County, meaning um, they just kind of go to and fro. And he's been here for the last couple of weeks, and, um, and, and the lawn was looking a little bit like my boys' rooms. And, uh, and I had to deal, I mean, I had to deal with that this week. He wasn't disrespectful in his tone. He wasn't uh, aggressive if you'd asked him to do something. In fact, if you asked him to do something, he would bow to you and say, I understand, thank you. But even though he bowed to you and said, I understand, thank you, he was messy. 
I cleaned up his peanut butter jelly snack down by the office door, literally right on the mat, coming into the office. He plugged his phone into the outlet. He said it wasn't him, but somebody had a battery charger plugged in with a car battery plugged into our building. I was like, are you kidding me, right? I'm like, okay, at what point are we like pushing the line just a little bit, right? And so even though he wasn't confrontational, I understood that he was, uh, in his own way, utilizing the space, but not, but not quite getting that, that in a relationship there are certain boundaries and things that are appropriate. Maybe he just doesn't know them. Maybe I wasn't <laughs> clear enough to him. I don't really know, but I kind of got him. Like, I could figure out, this is probably how it's going to go, like, always for this guy. So then there was uh, another uh, man who was kind of a, a, a drive-by who Karen encountered uh, relieving himself in the corner of the buttress out front here. And so she, you walked up to him. She came in and, uh, was it Karen was it you? Was it Paula? It was Paula, forgive me. Paula was leaving after she was done, walked out. The guy was there. Uh, and Paula was so angry that he was doing that. She had to come back into the office to collect herself. She was embarrassed, so whatever, she just, she said to him, hey, what are you doing? And he gave some excuse and then said some choice words and then off he walked. But um, I pretty much get, like, there are lots of people that feel that way about churches. Do you know what I mean? They do. It's not a sacred space. You would have never done that 50 years ago. But there is a lack, generally, of respect for churches, and he kind of followed suit. And amongst the younger generation, there is a deep, deep disrespect towards faith and belief uh, in established churches. Not in spirituality, but in churches. And that showed itself pretty profoundly by this guy deciding that was the best place for him to do that. Um, so then I came to, I came by the church. Here's where you and I interacted. You were, you were out front, you were watering and and I came up just to talk to you and warn you of, of someone that had relieved himself um, by our trash cans. Okay, Not to go into detail, because you don't need that detail on Sunday morning. But um, it was a little messy. Uh, and so I was just coming to interact with her and say, hey, you know, I, I want to let you know this is over here, whatever. And somebody's blah, 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 blah. And we got this conversation. And then Karen started whispering. He said, there's a couple of them over here. And they were, there was a couple laying in our landscaping right by the front of, like laying on the landscaping. And so I went up, I'm like, I have had it. Like I was just like, huh. walked up, bent over, and they're just there, and she's stroking his hair and all that sort of stuff. And I said, hey, hey, what would say you get out of my landscaping? And he looked at me, and he used every word and called me every name. You don't didn't tell me the... And I said, oh, yes, I do. Now you'll get up right now, or I'll trespass you. How does that sound? Get up and get out of my space. Now. And then he got up, and it was a more conversation. I'm like, get out. I'll get up in time. No, you'll get out now. He picked up my phone. He was out. He and his guy. Off they go. Then Karen and I kind of debriefed for a moment, mostly because I really was trying to resist the urge to choke somebody. Because that was like, really, you don't? Like, when did it become okay to, to just do that, right? To destroy something. 
right? That's what I was upset about. So anyhow, blocked out, made sure they weren't just gonna move around the building and then come around this way and, and kind of do that, see where they were going. I turned this way, he happened to be behind me and then he was lighting me up verbally again. So we had this conversation, I said, listen, I have no problem on a hot day of you laying on the, on the grass when it's hot in the shade of this big tree. Plenty of people do. What I have a problem with is you laying in the landscape and you don't have thousands of dollars have been put in by people of this church. And you're just laying on top of them. I don't have a problem with you being here. I have a problem with disrespecting the space. He stopped. He said, I understand. I get it now. I'm sorry. I shook his hand. I shook his gal pal's hand. I said, you are welcome to be here in this space, but I have to have you disrespect the space because you're not the only ones that utilize this space. He said, I understand I'm from the hood and back up here. And I go, this is a heart of the hood. Yeah, he's Oakland. We're from Oakland. Okay, we're giving it to him. But he, he said, it's really difficult to be up here. It's a very affluent area. It's a difficult place to be. And I thought to myself, it is. I felt badly for that too. He was assuming I was coming at him and being like everyone else. I just didn't like the fact he was laying on the plant. And he, so we had this conversation, resolved it, done, thankful. He had asked another question, off they went, done. That was a different interaction. So again, going back to the original equation, you know, how do you really know someone? I don't really know all of them, but I could guess things about these three interactions just based on those glimpses based on how people respond and what they did or those types of things. Because again, you know, as far as this particular example, there are a lot of people that are homeless and hungry and, and we're into um, trying to provide care of things. And at the same time, uh, in, the, uh, in an effort to have a healthy relationship with people, there are good boundaries about what that is. Carol has rules posted on the board when, they, when, when, when we serve here in the building during the winter months, there are rules on the board of conduct. We're going to serve you, but here are the rules. And if you don't follow these rules, you're out. And you can tell a lot about someone and the way they respond to those things in relationship. Why is this important? The scriptures this morning are about relationship, in particular relationship to God, and how we respond to God. How do we know that we know God? How do we know one another? And there's a little bit of conflicting information in the scriptures, if, if you look at them, especially the Old Testament, because God is basically saying, you know what, all this offering and this incense and in the killing of animals and all that stuff, even though God has ordered those things, says, this is like an abomination to me. I don't even want it. Just get it out of my face. You're like you are awful people. So will you please do these things, and then you will be righteous? You're like, wait, wait, wait. did you just say, don't do something? Now you're asking for something else. The reading from Hebrews, same thing. Talks about faith. Talking about belief. The examples given are actions. It's like, now wait, what, what, is, what is this about? What are we talking about? How does this work for us? 
How do you and I know that we are knowing God? How do we know how others feel about that as well? And don't hear me say whether or not someone's saved or not, okay, coming from the evangelical world, that was always sort of this assessment and critique of someone. Well, I don't think they're really saved. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a person that has a faith belief that is in the community of Christ. How do you know that? How do you know that about yourself? Have you ever doubted yourself? Have you ever doubted your own belief? Uh, I'm raising my hand. I've questioned not my faith in who God is, but whether or not I'm, like, where I fit in that. I've been through a plenty of iterations of community, mostly because I moved around so much, in college, and in seminary in two different cities, uh, different assignments as a pastor, as a youth pastor of the evangelical church. And, it, and I find myself going, to, not doubting God, doubting me. How do I understand that? How do I, how do I know? What does that look like? Right? Because you go to examples like the Matthew 25 or 26, right in there, right? Jesus, Jesus is separating the goats and the sheep, right? He says, the, the sheep, those of my right, you know, enter into this promise that, um, that my Father has for you. For when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. In prison, you visited me. Sick, and you know those types of things. And 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 their response is what? Well, when did we when did we see you hungry? Like they were just oblivious to the fact of like I, I I don't remember seeing you. And then to those on his left, the goats, he says basically the opposite of that. He says, "Go away from me." For you were not this. And they, and they said, but we specifically did those things that you're saying that we didn't do. And you're like, thanks Jesus for clarifying that. Because they were doing the things that they felt like they were supposed to do. And then Jesus says, go away from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. And to the other ones that said, when did we do this? Interesting, isn't it? It ties together with that Old Testament verse too. We can show up on a Sunday morning and go through the act of worship every single Sunday morning and miss the point every single Sunday morning. You can know all the gestures and uh, even as a priest, man who acts, raise your hand, do this, know what to do, the right place, enter the right time, know all the details about the service, why everything's in the same place, and you can miss the point. You can miss the point. It's when we enter into this life of faith. Like the Hebrews passage. By faith, even though Abraham and Sarah were well past their years of childbearing. Like, way, way past. This happened. Well, they, what did they do? They, they stepped out in faith and walked forward in faith. To know and to be known. It's like the centurion, right? The, the encounter with Jesus, and Jesus is talking to him, and there's some illness going on there, and he says, I believe, help me 
in my unbelief. I hear what you're saying. I just really don't know how I can actually step forward in that truth in a way that has integrity for me because I'm struggling to understand what it is that this is all about. Has anyone ever experienced that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, three and a half years ago, I walked out of the house in a marriage, 21 years. That's a long time. We used to be honest about that. And I remember distinctly going, I have no clue. Not one. But I do trust you, God. But I have no clue. I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know the work that I need to do on myself. I don't know any of those things. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my lack of belief. Like, I know I need to step forward. I don't even know what that is. I don't, I don't know what life is outside of this pool I've been swimming in for a long time. And like Peter, God says, why don't you just step out of the boat? Why don't you just come this way? Why don't you come this way? And in faith, you and I walk forward all the time in that way. Or at least we try to. And we're not perfect. That's a beautiful thing. If you go to the Hebrews chapter and the people listed there, they were not perfect. Abraham and Sarah are, are perfect examples of not being perfect. Can I say that? Abraham says, oh, by the way, God says we're going to have a child. What did Sarah do? Laughed. What does Isaac mean? Laughed. How would you like to be named after your parents like imperfection? It's my son, alcoholic. I'm being serious. I'm, I'm, being, I'm saying, like, don't buy that. Like, they're... I'm not making fun of alcoholism. Please don't hear me say that. But I'm saying in a real general way, there's something very interesting in telling about how people got named. And when you read them in that stories and what it said about them in their imperfection, and yet they were the people that God says, these are the examples to go forward. You know what Jacob means? Heel catcher. His brother was going out first. He's like, no, 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 you don't. Out of the moon, right, Joanne? Heel catcher. Trickster. Jacob. Israel. Anybody getting that? That's not a very flattering name. King David, a man after God's own heart. Do you want to go into David? No. Why was David a man after God's own heart? Not because he was perfect, because, but because David stepped forward in faith, always. Because when he was confronted about his sins, he responded in faith that God was God and he was not, and things needed to be made right. That's why David was like that. Apostle, Apostle Paul's the same way. Right? He says it all the time. We're talking about sinners, the greatest of which is me, by the way, folks. And you're like, really, Paul? 
Paul, this man with all this zeal and all this effort, traveled around his own risk. Yeah, but he could be a jerk. He wasn't perfect. And neither are we. At least I'm not. I'm going to own that to me. I'm not going to point the finger at you. If you want to be in the Not Perfect Club, um, welcome. But what we can participate in is the knowing of God and the being known by God and the knowing of one another and being known by one another in a way that is real and profound and life-changing. And that is the way of faith. Not in the simply doing things because I have to do them, but the trust involved in doing things that you don't understand because you know God is calling you to them. Do you see the difference in those things? There's not, there are some things about being up at the altar up there that I don't understand. It is a mystery to me. But I do them because God has called me to them and in the mystery of who God is. It is a beautiful illustration of walking forward in faith, not totally understanding what's happening. And again, in our lives, we have examples of those things around us. And we are called to do things together in faith. It was beautiful yesterday to have 26 people on at the rectory working on the yard. It was a huge benefit for me, so I'll get past that right now. It's not what I'm talking about. The yard got cleared, dirt got moved, things got done, but what was beautiful about it was, and Betsy said this, she goes, there are so many people here, and they are happy to be here. Yeah, they were here. Right? The Calstein kiddos were with their little rakes and their goggles. <laughs> and they were helpful. They worked hard. They worked hard, the girls. Well, he did. He picked up a stick and the walk stick. <laughs> he was he was boy at that moment. I'm like, I understand that. That's what I understand. I got my stuff. I got my I got my suit. I'm doing my thing. But what's really beautiful is is coming together with those you know and don't know and sharing a meal and doing work together and being in community and not really knowing but trusting that this is a good thing. That's kind of a hard, that's a difficult thing to do. It's a risk to do that. It's a risk to step out. It's a risk to be in community. But you know as well as I do that when we step forward in faith and community, that's when we are strong. It's the people that step forward in and of themselves by their own works that when the world goes super crazy, they're stuck on relying on this foundation they've built for themselves. But God encourages us to walk forward, not in our own strength, but by faith. Faith in Him that is bolstered by a community of people that have faith and that is our strength together. Amen? Amen. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.